Hello, listeners. Matt here. Hey, are you Pottern Family? Go on Twitter and search the hashtag Pottern Family or follow at Pottern Family to find a bevy of great podcasts, including this one. That's hashtag Pottern Family or at Pottern Family on Twitter. By the way, spoiler alert, this podcast will be talking about the most recent episode of the show that it covers. So if you're not caught up, come back when you are if you don't want to be spoiled. Don't worry, we'll be here waiting. Part of the Rewatching Good TV Network. It's Ragnar Cast, a Vikings podcast. And now here's your host, Matt Murdick. Hey there, and welcome to RagnarCast. It's episode three of the podcast, and this week we're covering season four, episode three of Vikings on the History Channel. The episode is titled Mercy. It was written by Michael Hurst, directed by Kieran Donnelly, first aired on March 3rd, 2016, and was viewed by an estimated 1.9 million viewers. My name is Matt Murdick, and I am from RagnarCast. That's R-A-G-N-A-R, cast, dot wordpress, dot com. That's going to be your one-stop shop for all things this podcast, like the back episodes. You can also find uh, contact links. You can find social media links. You can find podcatcher links. And if you could take the time to leave me a quick review of the written kind on whatever podcatcher you use, I would very much appreciate it. Also, drop me a note telling me that you did so that I can thank you in this very spot uh, of the podcast, I want to thank everybody who leaves me a review um, as quickly as possible after they do it. But sometimes I miss them, so I need you to write to me and, and, and tell me that you did or, or call or, or tweet. And how do you do that? Well, uh, again, same spelling, R-A-G-N-A-R-Cast at gmail.com, or you can tweet, same spelling, at RagnarCast on Twitter, or you can call the listener line, 314-669-184. Zero, and leave a voicemail. And any feedback that I get, I will read. I will share with our listeners or play. Uh, for instance, we got a phone call this week. I was very happy to hear that, and I will play that phone call for you uh, a little later on in the podcast. But I don't want anyone's thoughts to be left off the table uh, in regards to this podcast, part of the whole thing. And I love that we're building a community here to where people are starting to participate because I love hearing everybody else's thoughts about these episodes rather than just spouting them off on my own all of the time. Speaking of getting some feedback, of course, our good friend who has been with us from the very beginning at Cute Poison 10 uh, suggested this week's Ragnarism. I chose not to do one because hers was so good, I couldn't think of a better one. So we're going to get into the quote from the episode, what I call the Ragnarism um, again, submit, submitted by Cute Poison Ten on Twitter. This is Ragnar's story about the gods and harbored. Thor came to a deep channel. The sun dazzled upon the water. On the far bank, a figure sprawled in the sun. His flat-bottomed boat beside him. 
Hey! Yelled Thor. You wolf of there. Are you the ferryman? And whose ferry is that? The figure set up. He cupped his hand and shouted, Hilda! The slaughtered wolf entrusted it to me, and he has given me my orders. So, if you want to cross here, tell me your name, demanded the ferryman. Hmm. I'll tell you, I am the son of Odin, the strongest god of all. So, ferryman, you are talking to Thor. The gods' words made waves across the water. They broke at the ferryman's feet. Now tell me your name, said Thor. The ferryman, he stood up. And he shouted, My name is Arbid! I seldom hide it. Harvard. No, not I. Perhaps your mother has. I actually think it was a little mean or, or vindictive of, of Ragnar to throw something like that in Oslog's face. Um, I guess he's still smarting over her indiscretions. And I wonder if his vision that he had at the gates of Valhalla um, is making him hold on to being a little vindictive in a way. Um, I think he knows that uh, she is seeking power. And just because he is suspecting her, I don't think that he's seeing what he should be seeing in terms of suspecting her. Uh, the, the slave girl, I can't remember her name, but Ragnar being nice to her, that that's probably going to happen somewhere down there but between the two of them. Uh, somewhere down the line, and I, I'm I'm betting that this is by Aslog's design, no less. Now, what she can do with that, I'm not sure, but I, I have a feeling that uh, this is all part of Aslog's plan. Let's get into talking about the episode itself, and I guess the big thing to talk about first is Athelstan's appearance. And I guess while it is exciting to see Athelstan's spirit and and to have it, you know, kind of tie the Eckbert and the Ragnar stories together. I have to admit that his appearance wasn't as big a deal to me as it as it might have been for some people. I mean, yes, it's great to see the actor again and to have Athelstan have a significant impact on both characters. Um, and yes, even having the, the Christian supernatural world appear in the story, just like all of the Viking mythological god stuff appears, it, it's nice that we get that too. Plus, I did love the the musical score of the whole sequence. And in fact, I'm going to do something that I said I wasn't going to do until we got to our rewatch podcast. I'm actually going to do my Trevor Saga part of the podcast where I take a look at the uh, the film score uh, of that sequence uh, a little later on in the podcast. But I have to say that, that for all that Athelstan's appearance was supposed to be in terms of a, a shout out to the fans and and such. I'm sure some of you are really excited about this, but when I looked at it, it just seemed like an easy way and a quick way to move character motivations forward rather rather than having to see the kind of characters 
make hard decisions on their own without help. And that's probably more so true in Ragnar's case than in Eckbert's case. But the question of, of whether Ragnar has to like personally toil over this decision to, to punish Floki in, in such a torturous way, I mean, it's instantly thrown out simply because Athelstan tells him to show mercy. He he doesn't have to think about it anymore. He doesn't have to suffer through it anymore. He doesn't have to come to the right decision on his own anymore because Athelstan's made the decision for him. And on top of that, they made it seem like, just, just to add a little bit of extra suspense that really wasn't needed, um, the whole shot of, of Ragnar leaving with the axe in his hand and looking all angry and people reacting to that, um, just that was kind of a clumsy red herring to me to make you think that, that he was going to actually kill Floki. Um, when of course Ragnar would not interpret Athelstan's words any other way than he knew Athelstan to mean them. Uh, and that would certainly not being death for Floki. So it made the whole thing of him actually, you know, releasing Floki a lot more anticlimactic than I would have liked to seen because, if Ragnar thought about it and and came to that decision all of his own, all on his own, then that would really show a good side of Ragnar. But this is more done so out of sadness and out of tribute to a long gone friend than to any kind of showing of Ragnar's humanity itself. I really wasn't um, that big of a fan of the fact that Athelstan was used in this way. If you wanted to appear to both of them, great, but I wish it wouldn't have been just like right at the saving point for these characters to come to some kind of decision about themselves. Now, something that wasn't anticlimactic was when Floki found out about his daughter. Um, here you have Helga doing everything she can to kind of ease Floki's pain. So... I mean, she's exhausting herself holding that bowl above his head. Helga is the greatest, is she not? She's amazing. But because Floki is in so much pain, of course she's not going to tell Floki about Angraboda. First of all, she might think that telling Floki about it might make him somehow feel responsible. And not only that, but might make him hold her responsible. And she probably already does feel that way anyway. After all, it was... A, under her care that Angraboda died. Um, but to lose everything, to lose Angraboda and Floki, that would be just too much for her. So that's probably why she didn't tell him. And Ragnar making her tell him was a punishment in itself because I'm sure, you know, like I said, Floki felt responsible in his own way, just as Helga probably does. And I guess that this probably dispels any thoughts that I have about Floki maybe holding Ragnar responsible for Angraboda's death. But we might have to wait and see on that one, simply for the fact that, if you remember in another part of the story, Prudentius tells Judith that many of the pagans were struck down by disease after being in Paris, and perhaps Floki or, or Helga brought back that disease from Paris that was transmitted to Angraboda. They said that she died of a fever. So... Maybe while Floki and Helga were there, they kind of, you know, kind of developed an immunity and, and, and held it off. But they may have still carried the disease and transmitted it to Angraboda when they returned. Uh, and she wouldn't have 
developed an immunity like they had and and because of the cold and and the exposure to everything else uh, that's what gave her the fever and and uh, you couple all of that together and maybe that's what killed Angraboda. And again, I could be really stretching here, uh, as I often do. Uh, I like playing with uh, silly putty, I guess, and stretching it out as far as I can. Um, but if that is a connection, then I suppose that Ragnar's decision to go to Paris could be something that Floki could hold Ragnar indirectly responsible for in terms of his daughter's death. Uh, but again, I'm just kind of spitting in the wind here. So... Uh, I guess wrong about things all the time. So you'll, you'll just have to forgive me for that. Uh, and you can, uh, you know, call me and correct me by, you know, calling 314-669-1840 or you can tweet at Ragnarcast or you can send an email to Ragnarcast at com, and uh, your disagreements will be heard on this podcast by all of our listeners. Um, it says, I, I love hearing differences of opinion and I love being called out on stuff. It's just fun. It's fun to interact with other fans of the show and see what they're thinking. I guess I'll close my thoughts on Floki by saying that this was perhaps the first time in quite a while that I actually did feel bad for him. Um, between the torture and the news about his daughter, uh, I I was ready for something to give um, because he's had it really, really rough. And again, some of it is well-deserved, uh, at least him being arrested. Um, definitely not the stuff with his daughter, probably not the Viking waterboard treatment getting that for so long. Um, the one thing about Ragnar, when he did free Floki, he said, you've suffered enough Helga. And his own feelings about Floki, I don't, I don't know if they've actually changed that much, but it, it just seemed like he couldn't bear Helga suffering anymore. Again, standing over Floki and, and holding that bowl over his head just to the point of exhaustion and not being able to sleep because just as soon as she stops... Then it starts again, and and uh, I was really feeling it for Helga. You know, it seemed like she was being punished just as much, if not more, than Floki. So I, I'm glad that that's all over. Now let's take a look at Eckbert's storyline, and and again, his vision of Athelstan did seem to serve as a way to tie these storylines together. But I gotta say, his his and Judith's grieving over Eckbert's vision. It didn't really impact me as emotionally as I thought it would. And remember, I'm the guy who, for the past three podcasts, has been telling you that I'm the sap. So I should have been affected by it, right? But I wasn't. Uh, I didn't really feel sorry for either of them, especially considering that it, it seems like now, just letting her paint a few books, it, it seems like Judith is convinced that it's perfectly all right to sleep with Eckbert again. And I don't get their connection other than Athelstan himself. Um, and, and that's the kind of connection that really didn't work for me this time around. So um, that just kind of made that all seem silly. And man, I mean, you could you could sort this whole thing out very easily anyway, because you've got Quintherith and, and Aethelwolf getting together. I mean, why the heck doesn't he just leave Judith and go back and win Mercia for Quintherith? And then they can be happy together and rule there. And then Judith and Eckbert can be happy, I guess. And problem is solved. I will say this. Uh, anyone bet that Aethelwolf is going to be flogging himself again sometime in the near future? Uh, the old uh, the, the sin with Quintrith here is uh, going to cause him to impose a little self-punishment once again. And 
I, man, I know I sound kind of negative about this episode, but despite my negativity, it, it's still a better episode of television than you get in a whole lot of other television shows. Best episode ever. But I can't even imagine. I, I just have to ask, why did we even go to Paris this week? All, all we got was a little Therese skin. Uh, we got to see Rolo get wine thrown in his face and, and beat up a language teacher. And it didn't even seem so much like a check-in as it was just kind of a sideshow to kill time. And nothing against Clive's acting. I think he's doing the absolute best he can with what he's given. But if the idea was to make me feel even more sympathy for him, then it it just failed. Um, it, I, it didn't work. I felt much more for Rolo when he got laughed at last week. Um, this week, it just seemed like a bunch of childish crap. And uh, Gisla, I, I'm just dumb with her. She's just being an idiot. And her dad's no better. Uh, I, I'm just, you know, an Odo. I mean, they didn't even play up anymore about what the most interesting aspect of that was. And that was the power struggle for Roland and, and Odo. Didn't play up any of that other than them just kind of looking around and smirking. It, it just it seemed like a complete waste of time to me. We did get a brief little bit of, of Lagather in this episode. Wasn't really much worth noting. Um, I guess she seemed a little surprised by Calf's declaration of love. But I didn't really interpret it to say that she was drawn in by that declaration either. So if if Calf's attempt was to draw her in so that he can destroy her later on, I don't think it's worked yet. And... As far as him and Elendur's plan to hire that berserker to kill Bjorn, it was interesting that Elendur gave away the ring that Floki had given Hork uh, as a down payment to the berserker. And that berserker, of course, is still in the wind, so I guess that will be Bjorn's next challenge. But Kaff, he's flipped back and forth so much this season that I can't tell if he's playing a long game with Lagertha or not. Um, He certainly does seem to have kept the rest of his kind of wanting to revenge Ragnar so far. I mean, he's going after Bjorn. So I suppose it's all to kind of give us some tension so that we need to worry about Lagertha some. But as I said before, I'm not so sure that she doesn't already have it sussed out for herself. So right now I'm really not that worried, and it just seems like it's... um, Calf is just the game of flip a coin. Let's see which way we can go this week to to surprise people. So the more that happens, the less invested in it I will be because I'm not really worried about Lagatha. I think she can handle herself against Calf or against anybody personally. But we will have to see. And I mentioned the Berserker, so I I guess we should talk about Bjorn um, since he's headed that way and Bjorn and the Bear. It sounds kind of like a children's story title, doesn't it? Bjorn and the bear. Anyway, uh, I, I thought all that stuff was pretty good, actually. The bear stuff was pretty fantastic. I, I, I looked at that bear, and for some reason it reminded me a lot of the bear that Brienne fought in, I guess that was season three of Game of Thrones. Um, they just looked similar. I wonder if it was the same bear. I don't know how many trained bears you would have. 
um, in the area where they film. Because I think they film some of this stuff in Ireland too, right? And that's where a lot of Game of Thrones is filmed. So it would make sense that the same trained bear would work both shows. What a famous bear. Um, at any rate, uh, the sequences, they were really good. I loved the, the look of them. Uh, I loved when he defeated the bear, uh, how his shout seemed to reach Ragnar. You know, kind of a crow visitation. Uh, that was really nice. It was also really nice to see Nathan O'Toole make an appearance as, as young Bjorn. I mean, I was surprised by that. And I don't know, was that new footage or old? Either way, I really liked it. I mean, if they had the actor come back just for a little cameo, um, that's great. You know, he did look a little older. I can't recall seeing that shot in the series before, but I could be wrong because um, I, it's been a while since I watched any of the prior seasons. So uh, if you know whether this was new footage or if it was just uh, recycled from some other shot, uh, be sure to let me know. The other thing to note is Bjorn and the Wolves just keeps happening. So, again, I, I keep associating the wolves with Ragnar's vision at Valhalla because there was a wolf there at the gates of Valhalla when he saw this vision. And now all this stuff around Bjorn uh, and a good portion of the visions were about Bjorn. And we have not only the wolves howling in the background when Bjorn's doing things, but now Bjorn's howling back at the wolves. So it just feels like uh, there's there's definitely some kind of connection here. And I know it's probably a stretch for me to even put it into the mythology and say Fenrir and all of that stuff. But uh, I like the fact that everything is tied together by some kind of, even if it's a minor thematic element, and that's uh, the wolves. So since Bjorn did survive this bear thing, it would seem that one major thing is passed. But do we have to worry about Ragnar's vision um, since he, the, we saw the vision that he had about Aslog come true last week, or in uh, the Kill the Queen episode, it, it seems uh, like all of the visions could potentially come true and without warning. So what does that mean for the vision that he saw of him laying Bjorn down? Ragnar saw that. Um, again, that seemed like it was in kind of a battle thing, so it may be something that's far off further on down the season. But uh, I guess the next big thing was uh, it would be uh, for Bjorn to face the Berserker. Um, it just feels like that the visions are about Bjorn being in trouble. And we're seeing Bjorn face trouble after trouble after trouble. First, the elements. This week, the bear. The potential of a Berserker coming. Um, and then, <laughs> I just, I just want to say this. Uh, when Bjorn decided to uh, take a take a bath, you know, after he had uh, cauterized his, his wounds. Oh, that was gross stuff, man. Uh, but after he cauterized his wounds and then he went out there to the hole in the ice with the bear skin on and he jumped in and, and he kept more or less uh, surfaced reborn. Um, was Did anybody have a Siggy moment? Did anybody worry that he wasn't going to come back out of there just because of all of the problems that we've had about... Uh, trying to interpret what Ragnar's visions mean for Bjorn. Um, no, you didn't. You didn't have a singing moment. Okay, me neither. Uh, okay, maybe I did, but I'm not going to admit it now. And uh, that's it for my talk about the episode. A little quicker this week than last week because it just didn't feel like that there was as much that was interesting to me. To be perfectly honest, um, again, this show really consistently puts out episodes that maybe by the standard of this series aren't as good as some other episodes, 
but would still be better than most episodes of television ever. So I don't want my rating to seem too bad uh, as compared to the last two weeks. But for me, again, I have to stress for me, uh, this episode was a lot weaker than the prior two. So I'm only going to go a 7.9 this week as opposed to the upper eights that I gave uh, the first two episodes. And uh, this, this episode definitely did have good stuff in it. The Bjorn and the bear stuff was great. Some of the Floki Helga stuff was good. Um, there was something else about that Floki thing. He's, he kept saying, I, I guess his prophecy or something, he will call nine times and nine times uh, he will visit, that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't know what that is. Um, again, my Viking mythology is not all that great. And we have a caller who's going to help me out with something uh, in the feedback section here in a little bit. Uh, in regards to some Viking mythology that I missed out on in regards to Floki when he was hiding out in the water. It's great. It's a great call, so I'll be sure to play that for you later. But obviously that will demonstrate that I don't pick up on a lot of the Viking mythology stuff that some of you more astute viewers probably do. So help me out. Um, Is this call nine times, nine times he will visit thing, um, is this some kind of prophecy that I should know about in terms of the Viking mythology and why Floki is so fixated on it? Um, as for the English stuff, the, the whole island stuff, man, that just seemed like a soap opera to me. Um, the French stuff just seemed like a, a waste of time. And the, the calf Logatha storyline was just kind of a big bag of mixed signals to me. So, like I said, I'd still watch this episode over most any other episode of television or any other show, but I can only go 7.9. And now that I've rated the episode, I'm going to give you my little bonus. Um, this is something that I will be doing during the rewatch of the podcast when we go back and we watch season one and season two um, so that I can kind of establish the different themes that, that Trevor Morris uses uh, for this show. Um, but as a musician, I like to do musical analysis of, of the television score. I did it for the Game of Thrones podcast. I used to do it for my Lost podcast called Keys to Lost. Um, so uh, we're going to take a look at the Athelstan scene this week uh, from a musical perspective. Here's Trevor's Saga. Trevor's Saga. The music of Trevor Morris in Vikings.
Well, unexpectedly, because I, I wasn't going to do this until we started doing some rewatch podcasts where I could set some themes and, and, and things like that up for you guys to follow along with throughout the course of the series and the way that they develop and such. Uh, but instead, I found the appearance of Athelstan and the way it was scored by Trevor Morris to be very interesting because it explores an aspect of film scoring. And by the way, I'm a musician, so I'll try to speak in terms that are a somewhat layman friendly. But if I go off on, on little tangents, hopefully I'll still be able to demonstrate what I mean. Um, I took a, a film scoring class in college, as just about every music major does these days. Um, but I, I found the way that Trevor approached the reveal that it was Athelstan to be very interesting because as you heard in that clip, there's a very eerie feeling about the music itself until the actual reveal of Athelstan. And then things seem to kind of calm down or feel a little better for a moment. And then they go back to being a little wacky when Ragnar and Eckbert both figure out that it's a ghost and the way that Trevor conveyed this musically, I thought was very interesting because he basically went between what we call the major triad of tonality. And major usually sounds happy. And the minor triad of tonality. And minor usually sounds sad or scary or angry depending on how else and what else is played with it and, and what timbres are used. But the main thing that makes Athelstan's appearance seem so interesting and even eerie is the fact that after we've been set up for a little while with a minor, again, somewhat sad or, or maybe even scary progression, then suddenly we're confronted with a major chord. And the difference in the sound between a major and a minor chord is really just one note. It is what we call the third of the chord. It's kind of the middle note of the chord if you played them on a piano. For instance, he's using primarily the root on the bottom throughout the whole piece, the root of tonality that is one of the notes that never changes between minor or major, is E, like this. He also has the singing voice spend a lot of time around the fifth of the chord, which is the other note that doesn't change. This note. Now, whether I'm playing major or minor, those two notes stay the same, and that offers some kind of consistency. But the real difference is in one note of the chord, and I'll play that note first on the piano so that you can make sure to identify the difference in the sound. You have the major chord. And then you have the minor chord. Now, there are two notes in common there. The two notes that I played earlier. But it is that first note of each of those triads that I played that changes and it does change the way those chords feel right so what 
was really great was the way that Trevor set this up. Because if you go back further in the scene from where I picked up with the clip there, when Eckbert and Ragnar both wake up, there is a kind of a presence of the major chord at first. And that is signifying that Athelstan's about to come. He's His presence is actually waking them up. But they don't know what has woke them up. So then we go through a little bit with the minor thing to build tension. To make it a little scarier. Because we don't know what's about to happen. And then, as you heard in the clip that I played for you earlier, when Athelstan does appear, then the chords return to major once again. Then when Athelstan disappears, they return to minor. Just to show you, again, how it's set up, um, the very beginning... When they first wake up, you do hear the major. There's a, there's a bell tone that is used to create the major third, kind of in the background of the mix, but it's there. And then you will hear the tune go to more of the minor part while they are exploring, trying to figure out what has woken them up. Let me play just a little bit of the beginning of that for you so that you can hear it transition from the major when they first wake up to the minor as they try to figure out what woke them up. So that's all really interesting stuff in the fact that he establishes what Athelstan is, the quote-unquote major chord, at the beginning as the spirit has actually brought them out of their sleep. And then he doesn't really use the major too much again once they start exploring until he actually physically appears before them. And I thought that that was a very interesting use of really simple harmony to create an amazing effect. And that's going to be Trevor's saga for this week. Three words is next. Three little words. Oh, what I'd give for that wonderful phrase. To hear those three little words. Hi, this is for Ragnarcast. First, let me say how much I'm enjoying your podcast. I just got started, so I'm catching up. And I would say the three words for the Kill the Queen episode is all about retribution. Right on. Thank you very much, caller. Next time, leave a name so that I know what to call you when when you uh, call, so that I, I can be sure to uh, properly name you. 
even if it's just, you know, Gilligan's Island Marianne. You can use a pseudonym or whatever, but uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to know uh, how to address you. But I, that's a great three words for last week's episode. And see, folks, I'm taking three words even for the Kill the Queen episode. You can submit any feedback about any episode at any time, and I will be sure to include it in this podcast because we want to build a community here. We want to build a safe place for people to get their own thoughts out about the show. And uh, I loved those three words. Thank you very much for calling them in. And we're going to hear more from that caller in our feedback section as well. So, three words. That was this caller's three-word description of the Kill the Queen episode, all about retribution. And the idea is to describe the episode in three words. And I think that it's great that we try to do this. Sometimes it's a lot more complicated to do than it is to not do. <laughs> um, it's, it's the, the thing that I do is if I can't come up with something that is all-encompassing for the whole episode, then I fixate on the part of the episode that impacted me the most. So that's what I try to do. And uh, my three words this week, because the Bjorn and the bear stuff was the most impactful for me was Bjorn Best's Bear. Yeah, not that original. Uh, but that was, again, the part of the episode that impacted me most, and uh, they were the best scenes of the week, in my opinion. Have some tweets. Yay! Uh, and more than just one. First of all, at the number two fangirls with a Z, that's at two fangirls, submitted Bjorn Did It. Which is very good. Thank you very much. Our friend at Cute Poison 10, who's been with the podcast since the very beginning, submitted three words. Born Again Bjorn. Like that one. Very good. Thank you. Uh, and uh, at I am King underscore 45, the number 45, at I am King underscore 45, says the three words. Bjorn Booze and bear. All right. Bjorn Boo's bear. Very good. Thank you very much for the three words. See, it's that easy. We all were impacted by the same scenes, but we all came up with different three words descriptions of it. So thank you very much for submitting those. You can do it too. How do you do it? Send an email to ragnarcast at gmail.com or tweet at ragnarcast or call 314-669-1840 and leave a voicemail and I'll play those or I'll read those. Uh, for your submissions. I love getting them. Uh, let's continue to build this community. Great to see it starting to build already. Um, thanks. And just like we do the three-word description, we also do what we call the Frig of the Week, which is really more or less the best coupling of the week. And that is next. So clearly three little words Eight little letters simply mean I
Yes. Frig of the week. It's all about love. But it doesn't necessarily have to be about romantic love. It can be about, uh, you know, just regular old plutonic love. It can be between two people. It can be between a person and an object. It can be a person and a concept. It doesn't have to necessarily be a romantic thing. Um, my frig of the week is Ragnar and storytelling. As we heard our, our great uh, quote, our great Ragnarism submitted by Cute Poison Tin this week. Uh, he really had those kids hanging on his every word. And I, I like the way that Travis used this storytelling opportunity to show kind of almost two sides of Ragnar at the same time because he is being a family man. He's entertaining his boys and his inflection of, of pitch and volume and the way he tells the story makes it a great story. But you also see the revengeful side of the man at the very same time because under the surface of it all, uh, especially at the end when he bites on the fish and he made certain that even though the children might not understand it, uh, he was making certain that Aslog understood how he felt about the whole Harvard thing. So that was just great. I, I loved that. So uh, Ragnar and storytelling is my best couple of the week or frig of the week. Have a couple of tweets as well. One from at cute poison 10, our favorite tweeter. Uh, the frig of the week that they submit is Ragnar and Athelstan. Of course, it was Athelstan's appearance that changed Ragnar uh, to forgive Floki, or at least to free Floki. I won't say forgive. Um, and again, you know how I feel about that. I felt it was kind of a cheap way, rather than making Ragnar explore it all himself and actually be impacted by his own friendship with Floki. Instead, uh, his friendship with Athelstan overruled him. But that's something to be said. And that's why they are uh, a couple for at Cute Poison Tin this week. They are the, the best coupling of the week because Athelstan did affect Ragnar in a different way than Ragnar would have acted. And uh, on a similar note, at I am King underscore 45 said, Helga's bowl and Floki's head. And then noted, Helga's such a dutiful spouse she is with a little heart emoticon. Um, thank you very much, at I am King underscore 45 for your brothel mates of the week so it's that simple and next week i hope you submit a three-word description or a best coupling of the week and again ragnarcast at gmail.com or at ragnarcast on twitter or 314-669-1840 that's also how you can submit feedback and that's what's coming up next Before we get into the feedback, there were a couple of thoughts I just had about this episode, about some of the comments that I said earlier. And uh, something that I, I probably should have pointed out was the fact that because Judith did talk to Prudentius, um, now Eckbart knows another way that Ragnar might use to try and defeat him. Eckbart knows another way that, that 
or ploy that Ragnar might use. And so not that Ragnar would ever use that again. And I think we talked about before that that was actually they had they gave Ragnar the story that actually uh, something that Bjorn Ironside had done in Italy. Um, They just moved it for Ragnar to Paris. Uh, But they can also say that Ragnar inspired Bjorn to do that in Italy uh, later on in actual history. Right. Um, At any rate. So Eckbert knows that kind of ploy now because of the story that Prudentius told. The other thing is, is that remember that there was a great plague that hit Cadigat one time while Ragnar was away before when he was in England before. Um, So it may not necessarily even be that the disease was from Paris. Um, Maybe stories are getting mixed up and this is actually what happened to like Gita and them um, when the Vikings returned from the prior raid uh, and a plague kind of struck Kattegat then. Um, So the stories may be getting mixed up. So my whole thing about um, Floki blaming Ragnar might not even be valid. I'm not sure. I'm not sure whether the stories are, whether the story about Paris disease is supposed to be uh, true or not. I don't recall really seeing any evidence of it so far other than with um, Angraboda. So it might just be that the stories are getting mixed up by the silly monks because monks are silly. Are they not? Anyway, let's get into the feedback. Uh, first, I have the full call from our caller, uh, who's from somewhere on the West Coast. I don't, I don't know exactly where. I kind of recognize the area code, but I don't know exactly where it is. Um, at any rate, thank you very much for calling, and, and let's hear from this caller with their thoughts about Kill the Queen and in response to some of my thoughts about Kill the Queen. Hi, this is for Ragnarcast. First, let me say how much I'm enjoying your podcast. I just got started, so I'm catching up. And I would say the three words for the Kill the Queen episode is all about retribution. And I know I'm kind of late to the scene, but I wanted to say as far as the slap of Oswald, I think it's because Ragnar knows that she cheated on him on that fish table. And the reason that he was so nice to Helga is just because of her loyalty. She is a true freak. She is a true woman, a true married woman. And also, when um, you were talking about when Floki was climbing on the rocks, and when he was found underneath the water, the ancient legend from the Prose Edda says that Loki, when he was trying to get away from being the, responsible for the killing of Baldur, that he turned into a fish and hid underwater, and that's where they caught him. So just a couple of my two cents, and I'm enjoying your podcast. Please keep up the good work. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Once again, thank you so much, caller. That's a great, great voicemail. I wish I knew what name to call you. Uh, that was That's my only complaint about your voicemail, is I don't know what to call you and uh, who to thank uh, specifically for that fantastic voicemail. You know, as I've mentioned before in this podcast and probably in prior podcasts, uh, my Vikings legend stuff is not all that great. I, I'm not good with the with the epic poems. I, I've never studied it all that much. Um, the most significant involvement with the Viking mythology that I have is is probably in the way that it relates to George R. R. Martin's uh, A Song of Ice and Fire series. Uh, I've seen several theories that kind of compare different characters of Game of Thrones to different people in the Viking saga legends. 
Um, but uh, it's easy for me to overlook sometimes that Floki and Loki do actually have a lot of similarities in, in their psychological makeup, you know, sometimes mischievous um, and in their actions, uh, sometimes uh, in the murder, as you pointed out here. Um, I think that that was such a great catch and it's something that I would have never figured out on my own. So that's why I need this community, folks. I need you people to write in. I need you people to call in and because and, you're enhancing my enjoyment of the show as well as our listeners because obviously our listeners are not going to get it from me, so they've got to get it from you. And I, I think that, that that's a great comparison to Loki hiding under the water with Floki hiding under the water. It makes perfect sense thinking in the way that you compare Floki and Loki in the series. Um, which is easy to do as you go throughout the seasons, but it's just one of those things that I forget to think about sometimes. And great catch, great stuff, really appreciate it. And love all of your other thoughts too, fantastic. Um, have this, it was sent to me in the form of a DM on Twitter from at two fangirls, again that's at the number two fangirls, girls with a Z. Um, it says, I want to put in my two cents while I'm thinking of it, Roland is putting Therese through this with Odo so that he can take Odo's place. I also think that he also befriends Rolo so that when he comes into more power, Roland will become Rolo's right-hand man. All Roland is after is power, and he will do whatever it takes to get it. I don't think Therese is married because she is being strung along by Roland because he can commit to her until he becomes more powerful and it won't end well for her because I think Odo already knows she is trying to spy on him. I think King Eckbert is trying to make Judith a female version of Athelstan. I don't think he planned for his son to return from his mission so he could have Judith for himself with his son out of the way. The king loved Athelstan as much as Ragnar does and now he knows Athelstan loved Judith that is why he is so taken by her. I also think Aslok may have been the one to help Floki escape. And that's why Ragnar was so upset with her and made the comment about loyalty. So most of this is in response to my talk about uh, Kill the Queen episode. And these are great thoughts. And really, they all still stand, even despite this episode. Um, I, I think the whole thing about... Odo and, and Roland is is very interesting, and uh, I tend to believe you with that. Unfortunately, we didn't really get anything to truly enlighten us one way or the other as far as that goes this week, because Paris was literally a waste of time. Um, and as for Eckbert trying to get his son out of the way, that could very well have been. Doesn't seem to have really mattered, though. Like I said, that this episode just skewed things up in such a way that it's like... Uh, Eckbert should just kind of find a way to get Judith and, and Aethelwulf a, a, a divorce. And uh, then Aethelwulf can go off with with uh, Quinthrith and uh, Eckbert can have Judith to himself. And she can be happy because she's free. I, I mean, again, a lot of this stories, other than really what was happening at Catechet, and what was happening with Bjorn, just seemed kind of soap opera to me. Soap opera or Benny Hill? Um, it, it seemed like it was to those extremes. So, um, but these are great thoughts about what the overall story might still mean. So thank you for submitting them to me again. That was at two fangirls. Uh, that's the number two and girls with a Z. 
Uh, be sure to follow them on Twitter as follow cute poison 10 and as follow, uh, I am King underscore 45, uh, for their great contributions to this podcast. I'm sure they'd love to talk about Vikings with any of you over Twitter. Um, since they're talking to me, uh, they must be willing to talk to anybody. <laughs> uh, one other thing that we have to cover, and that is uh, that I didn't cover in the in the rating section. Normally, I have been covering it in the rating section, but I thought since I have a little bit of feedback this week, I'd cover it in the feedback section. Uh, we do do a poll every week where you get to rate the new episodes. I put them out uh, typically Thursday morning before the episode airs. Uh, and it's rating the episode that you see that night on a scale of 1 to 10. And then I read the results on this podcast. And uh, this week we only got two vote-getters. Uh, the last two weeks we had gotten as many as four vote-getters. This time only two. Uh, we had 7 out of 10 as the rating that was in second place uh, out of the two. Uh, with 36% of the vote. And uh, the... 8 out of 10 was the winner with 64% of the vote. Um, so a lot of folks were putting it between a 7 and an 8, kind of right where I put it as well. Um, and I thank you very much for taking the time to vote. Remember, ragnarcast.wordpress.com is where you can find that poll each and every week. Um, and I typically don't close it until um, the Sunday morning. So you have time to consider your rating before you, before you do it. But you do have to get it in by then because I have to record these podcasts on, on Sunday afternoons. Um, typically, that's the only free time that I have to get them out there. Um, and I apologize that it's not coming out like the day of the episode or anything. But I'm usually on the road to another gig or something like that on Thursday nights. Uh, I usually don't even see the episode until I watch it on Amazon on Friday mornings. Um, but... Uh, again, I thank you for all of this great, fabulous feedback. This is what we want this podcast to be. We want it to be a place for the community to get together and express their thoughts about the episode. And I thank these pioneers, once again, the caller who called in and uh, at Cute Poison 10 and at Two Fangirls and at I am King underscore 45. Thank you so much for your contributions this time around. And how do you make those contributions? Once again, Ragnarcast, R-A-G-N-A-R, cast at gmail.com or tweet at Ragnarcast, same spelling, or you can call 314-669-1840 and leave a voicemail. And uh, I appreciate it. Any feedback that I get, I will play, even if it's a week late or whatever. Um, I think it's important that everybody get their thoughts heard if they take the time to submit them. So, uh, you know, if that involves where we get to a point where there's so much feedback that I have to have a special just feedback podcast. I'm happy to do that. Um, but until that point, it'll just all be included in one single podcast. And I encourage you to share your thoughts with me. Call me wrong. Uh, I usually am. Somebody should call me wrong. Uh, and, uh, enjoy the episodes as we talk about them and, uh, make, make your own presence felt on this podcast. So, uh, uh Give the contact information. Again, ragnarcast.wordpress.com. It's your one-stop shop for all the things this podcast. And if you use the podcatcher link to go to iTunes, this last week I had a problem with the iTunes store where the store did not update with the new episode, even though the new episode was out. And it was several, several days before the new episode even showed up. So the way you can ensure that you get the new episode as soon as it comes out is to hit the subscribe button. By subscribing to the podcast through iTunes, then the new episode comes in 
just as soon as you're ready for it, as soon as you open your iTunes back up, uh, be that on your phone or on your desktop or however you get your podcasts, wherever, whatever podcast you use, just hit the subscribe button. And that way you're for sure to get the newest episode as soon as possible. And you're not having to wait around for the iTunes store to update so that you can get the new episode, even though the new episode has been up for days. Um, again, I apologize for that inconvenience. This sometimes happens. I've run several podcasts and when a podcast is new, sometimes it takes a little while for iTunes and the feed to talk nice with each other. Um, so I'm not surprised that this happened, but I do apologize that it happened. If you're a person who likes to get their podcasts, uh, via iTunes and you've been waiting for the new episode to show up on your store and it just hasn't. Um, again, that was in the desktop version that I noticed this on my own personal computer. So, um, our laptop version, um, a non-mobile version. I don't know how it showed up on the, on the mobile versions, um, to be perfectly honest. But, uh, again, just hit the subscribe button and that way the new episode will always be there just as soon as it's available rather than you having to wait to see it, to be able to download it. Um, and that's for any podcatcher really, be it Stitcher or FM or whatever podcatcher you use. And again, I'd really appreciate it if you could take the time to leave me a review because that helps me stay more noticeable among the other podcasts. Plus, if you leave me a written review and you tell me what you do or don't like about the podcast, it kind of helps me hone in uh, how I should continue to do this podcast in the future. That's really helpful for me to, to try and stay in tune with what my listeners want out of this podcast. And that's all I have to say. I think I've bored you enough. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you next week with a new episode of Vikings. Take care. Contact the podcast by emailing ragnarcast at gmail.com or by calling 314-669-1840. Tweet to the podcast at Ragnarcast. Please leave the podcast a written review on your podcatcher and find all back episodes and other links at ragnarcast.wordpress.com.